0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have the marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have those who help others create their businesses. And we have the do-it-yourselfers like to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, in fact, if you are all of the above, as some of our listeners are, take a moment, explore episodes, discover how we serve you at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on your favorite syndication network, such as iTunes. Be sure to subscribe. Every five-star rating helps us serve more business creators just like you. And when you subscribe, you get immediate access to over 270 episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators today. And, 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 you will get fresh content every single week. For today's episode, I am extremely excited to introduce gentleman who I put in the category of one of the business creators, one of those who helps you grow your business. And to be candid, in some ways, uh, he's a friend of mine, and in one way, he's also a little bit of a competitor, but you know, this wouldn't be the first time I've ever, ever interviewed somebody who competed with me. Let me give you a little bit of background here. As you know, we have great guests here on the Business Creators Radio Show, and we are grateful to are partners who are podcast booking agencies who send us some of the greatest referrals that we can get. And many of the awesome guests you hear here on Business Creators Radio Show have been sent to us by this gentleman and his team. His name is Tom Schwab, and he is the founder of Interview Valet, which is a name you may have heard of. So let me just tell you a little bit about him. Tom is an author, he's a speaker, and he's a teacher. And what he does to interview valet is he helps you get more traffic, leads, and raving customer fans by being interviewed on targeted podcasts. Now, he has quite a story to tell, and we're going to get into that in just a second. But first of all, let's have him in. Tom, come on in. The weather's fine. Adam, I am thrilled to be here. All right. So what we like to do, and I think you're aware of this, Is Before we dive into the main topic of what we're going to cover today, we'd like to just take a few moments, take a step back. There may be some folks listening right now who have a separate browser tab open, and they're looking up Tom Schwab and Interview Valet, and they're looking to learn a little bit more about Tom Schwab the man. So tell us a little bit about your journey and some of the elements of what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion.
1: And if you're looking up Tom Schwab, I can tell you that I'm the only Tom Schwab in all of Kalamazoo, Michigan. So uh, if you can I do bet. this <laughs> from Kalamazoo, Michigan, you can do it from anywhere. And really, I, I right. look at my life and my, my career as is uh, all leading to this. I was uh, um, an engineer by degree. I was lucky enough to go to the U.S. Naval Academy. And my first job out of college was running nuclear power plants. And people would say, wow, you know, you must be really smart to run a nuclear power plant. And I had to admit that the people that were really smart were the ones that came up with the systems, that designed things that so that mere mortals could do that. Now, fast right. forward, I, I worked in corporate America, worked in sales and marketing. Uh, and one of the things that always frustrated me was that thing when people would say, well, uh, you're wasting half your money in sales or marketing, you just never know what half. And I'm like, they don't understand their business then. And so as I got into more uh, entrepreneurship, running my own businesses, it's one of the things I loved about online business, especially online marketing and inbound marketing, is that you, know, you can see what your customers love, what they loathe, um, and do more of one and less of the other. So uh, I started an e-commerce company uh, back in 2008, and we were one of the early people to use uh, inbound marketing for uh, e-commerce, was one of the early case studies for HubSpot. And uh, I just realized that, you know, content could be so many different ways. And in 2014, we started to look and say, hey, could you use podcast interviews, targeted podcast interviews, almost the same way we used to use guest blogs. You know, instead of taking a blog and having it on your site and, you know, having three people read it, one of them probably being your mother, well, just take it (laughs) and, And get it on a site where there's the traffic, the the Huffington Post, the Wall Street Journal, wherever your audience is. Get that no like and trust, drive the traffic back, uh, get the SEO backlinks. And so we started to do that with targeted podcast interviews. And Adam, I was blown away by the results with that. We were seeing conversion rates that were 25 times better than blogs. And at first, I thought, yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a niche. It's a personality. And the more we tested it, the more we realized that, no, podcast interview marketing uh, is a real thing. And, I, I, you know, I, I honestly believe that, you know, marketing at its heart is starting a conversation with somebody that could be an ideal customer. And the problem we have today is that we have access to so many customers, right? If you're listening to this right now with your current product or service, there's thousands of millions of people that you could serve if they only knew about you. So then the question becomes, well, how do you get them to know about you? And some people talk about, well, I'm gonna break through the noise. Honestly, I I think most of us are just adding to the noise. Uh, I look at it and it's like, let's get on a conversation that people are already listening to. And that's really what podcast interviews are. How can you get in on the conversation that your ideal customers are already listening to?
0: Right, and I think that's extremely important. Now, here's one thing, one of the things I love about the lifestyle that I've crafted is that every day at the office is bring your cat to work day. <laughs> well, I have and to you say have got- that. <laughs> go ahead. One,
1: one of the craziest questions I get asked is where do you work at? And uh, to me, it's like work is what you do, not where you go. So, you, you know, and the better question is like, who do you serve? And so from that standpoint, uh yeah, we've got these tools. There's a lot of problems in the world, but there's no better time to be alive. I mean, here we are, you know, we're talking over a free service, uh sharing our knowledge with, you know, thousands and thousands of people. Um and uh, the only way it could be better is if we were sitting down, sharing a cup of coffee.
0: Yeah, very true. Very true. And what I love about the podcasting thing is, you know, everybody's talking about video, video, video. And, you know, I do some facebook lives and and used to live streams and things like that i'm a public speaker in fact one of the topics i speak on is how to become a a, a memorable new media star using podcasts live streams webinars and those types of things one of the things i love about, about the podcasting aspect of it and i've said this many times is god gave me a face for radio but fortunately he also gave me the voice i don't have to fix my hair every single time i do one of these I, I love that. and uh,
1: you know and I, I think that you know video is good for the people that like to do video. Um, blogs are good for the people that like to do blogs. For me, um, I always joke that English is my second language. I'm not sure what my first one yeah. is. but for me to, <laughs> to, to write a a blog, that's a homework assignment. But for me to talk, that's easy. And you know nowadays you can you can create in the way that's easiest for you. So some people that are extroverts, they, they want to go to the event, and they want to stand in front of the stage. There's a lot of people that are introverts that uh, you, you, know, you talk to them, and they're like, uh, they don't want to stand in front of a, a stage of a 1,000 or 10,000 people, <laughs> but they're thrilled to sit at their home, their office, talking to one person and actually uh, reaching uh, thousands and tens of thousands. So, uh, you know, we're we're all made differently. And so I think right now we can create the way we want and then repurpose it in the way other people want.
0: You raised two points. First of all, when you speak about the difference between speaking out a podcast interview or writing a blog post or writing an article, I have found that when I need content, what I'll do sometimes is I'll get myself booked on some podcasts or I'll look at maybe some of the great conversations I had with a couple of our guests. I'll have pieces of that transcribed and then edit that into an article because it's so much easier to edit than to start from scratch, especially from a creativity perspective. It's just like sometimes you have to see something knowing that the rough draft is not going to be the one you approve just so you know what you can comment on because you need a starting point. It can provide that. And then on the issue of you know, the extroversion versus introversion issue, which is something that I also spend a lot of time on, and I myself am a highly introverted personality – uh, I think it's great that we can unite separately in our own homes uh, doing this whole podcasting thing. I think it's awesome that we can we can pull that off. so again this uh, this is one of those things that I think that a lot of folks have caught on to, especially over the past twelve to eighteen months. You now see industry seminars and mega conferences specifically on the topic of podcasting. Uh, I was involved four years ago in the launch of another podcasting company called Interview Connections, which was one of the originals in the industry. So, and I've seen so many great companies emerge. Uh, Your company came on fairly early on in the process. There are a couple others that we get referrals from and I'm in the act now. So it's something that so many people are doing. And that kind of leads to my next question here before we dive into the main piece of what you want to share with us today is, Tom, have you noticed the following shift? Because I've noticed it and a lot of other people noticed it. And as a fellow industry expert in this realm, I want to see if you get it. A year ago, hosts may have been in a situation where they ran short on guests. And they ended up calling up their friends saying, hey, I really need a guest for my podcast. Any chance you could hop on here? To the point where they sometimes open up their inbox and they see they've gotten 12 pitches from three different podcast booking agencies that all came in overnight. And they've got to soar through this. Have you noticed that we've now gone from a shortage of people wanting to be great guests to there being so many that it's a matter of pick the ones that are going to be the best fit for your show?
1: I, I totally agree with you that on that, and the the one thing I would say is I don't think that we are competitors. From the standpoint of the industry is so big right. it's expanding so much that there's different things that different people offer so there's no way that one person could serve all i think we're uh, counterparts not competitors and i was on a podcast where they mentioned just this and they say well what do you think of of all the competitors and the ones that right. bother me the most that worry me are the ones that do just what you said so overnight you just get robo pitches and if they're not they're, they're trying to use the podcast host, they're trying to use the podcast listeners not to serve them. And that's, that's not adding value to the ecosystem, and that's really bad. Um, or when they're, they're trying to, to work both sides of it, that can be bad. Um, you know, I was at a, a conference, Harvard University put on their first conference on podcast um, podcasting, and they called this the golden age of podcasting, and I think, you know, in the golden age of radio, in the golden age of television, um, all these other ones, you had people that were really taking the media or the medium to the next level, and then you had some charlatans that were um, just trying to make a quick buck on the side, and that's what worries me, and, you know, you talk about getting pitched for your podcast. There isn't a day that goes by, Adam, that I don't get one or two pitches from um, uh, from people to be on my podcast, and they all start the same way. You know, dear Tom, uh, I love your podcast and would love to be a guest on it to talk about whatever. Problem is, Adam, right. I don't have a podcast. So, oh you know, wow! If you're going to lie to me, tell me I'm pretty. Don't tell me that you love my podcast, but you know, there's some <laughs> there's some. There's some list out there that my name is on that people are buying, and uh, you know some people just say, well, um, it's a numbers game. You know, if I if I have a, a VA or um, you know somebody just send out a hundred podcast uh, pitches and I get two, that's good. And I'm like, no, it's not because you have just you know really annoyed the other 98 percent. And so that's one of the things. Right. Like with our team, we've got a team of 14. Um, all based in the U.S. here, but they all don't live in Kalamazoo, Michigan. But they are ranked right. and graded on the percentage of the yeses they get, because the goal is not to to pitch 100 people to get two yeses. The the goal is to build that relationship, so that even if somebody says no, that's fine. But find out why, so that next time we can give them a better one. You know, we've got 90 clients here, um, and you know, not every all 90. Are great uh, fits for every podcast so uh, you know yeah. from that standpoint I think the the, the um, there's a lot of great players in the in the industry that are adding value to it um, and it's just that uh, um, that uh, we all need to, to make the golden age of podcasting really the golden age
0: all right so let's jump ahead here because we're getting into a very productive area that I think will be extremely helpful for our listeners is what makes a guest ideal? And let me phrase that by saying, let's say that you, know, you I, I as a host, or let's say hypothetically you had a podcast, uh, and we're getting all kinds of pitches that are coming through. What kinds of pitches have you seen work most effectively? And what do you, in your estimation, think makes for a memorable guest? Because I teach a lot about being a memorable guest, but I want to hear it from you.
1: Yeah, so with that, Adam, I think it's a great question, and it's one that could be answered from two ways. What makes for a great guest from the host and the audience side, and then what makes a great guest from the guest side? So from that standpoint, I'll start with the host side. Um, We always teach our clients that your job while you're there is to make the host look like a genius for introducing you to their friends. Their audience, right? So you want to go there with your A game. You want to show up. This is a media appearance. You want to show up on time, sounding great, prepared, bringing value. You know, um, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, you know, jab, 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 right hook. And I probably missed a couple of jabs. Right. I always look That's at right. it as give, 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 ask. I think of um, Doug Sandler from the Nice Guys on Business podcast. He said something. He said, if a guest does a good job they don't have to promote themselves. Because if they do a good job, I as the host will promote them more than they ever can. So I always tell people, you know, show up, be interested in being interesting, um, be excited, be fully present there, be prepared. Uh, you know, you wouldn't walk on a on a stage in front of 100 people, 1000 people, uh, you know, 10,000 people without being prepared. So why would you show up on a podcast, not prepared. Uh, so I think sometimes because right. it's so easy, people uh, people um, forget the impact that they could have, positive or negative. So I think that's from the sort of the the host standpoint. But then from the guest standpoint, uh, you know we have a lot of people that come and say i want I want to be a a guest on a podcast," and we really work with them and say, "What do you have to offer?" and is it in your best interest? You know, uh, we talk about podcast interview marketing. It's not just the ego thing of, can I get on a podcast? And a lot of people will say, you know, can you get me on a podcast? And I'm like, well, if you want better answers, you got to ask better questions. And I think the, the question you asked is, can you help me grow my business as a podcast guest? And they're like, yeah, isn't that what I said? And I'm like, well, not exactly. And so we really look at it And we looked back from our first 100 clients and said, how come some guests get good results and some great guests get great results? And, Adam, it really boiled down to three things, and they all multiplied on each other. So if one of them was weak, the whole result was weak. And that really was message, market, and machine. So the message is, do you have stories to tell, not just a product to sell? Market is, do you know who you want to talk to, and do you have something that can help them? something that they can buy, it's hard to get a return on investment if you've got nothing behind it. And then finally, it's machined, right? If you hear somebody on a podcast interview, you are going to go to the Internet and check them out. If their social media makes them look like they're in the witness protection plan or their website <laughs> looks like you know it was built in Y2K, the the interview's not going to work. So I think you've got to have all of those things because if you don't, you're wasting the guest time, you're wasting the host time, and ultimately you're wasting the audience's time.
0: Right. And you know, what you bring up something very interesting is, uh, and th- I'm going to say to your credit, this has never happened with anybody who interviewed Valet has referred to the Business Creators radio show. But we've gotten a few folks where they have come to us. Saying we want to be on the Business Creators Radio Show. So they go to the website at businesscreatorsradioshow.com. They fill out our guest application. They fill in all the blanks. It looks like they're checking off all the boxes and everything looks good. Then I go check them out, and I look at their social media. Now, I, you know, I'm fairly open to whatever your political views are or your social causes or things like that, and we don't have to agree on that. All we have to agree on is is that we all have something to say and we all just want to bring value and make the world a better place. And I, is is that a fair statement? Very much so. And one of the things that I, yeah. If I see that all the person is doing is spewing negativity and attacks and going off on people who disagree with them or even fail to agree with them strongly enough and condemning and criticizing and sharing all the doom and gloom in the world and calling for people to be arrested and hung and stuff like that. They are not going to get on the business creators' radio show because all like, hey, I was a business creator, show mixed in with crap. And I have people who are in my office say you just wrote about, uh, about that happened in the news or, or the president thing about uh that thing about that story that's emerging or what have you and just the way you wrote about it. You know, um, if you wanted to be on my show, I wouldn't book you for that reason. And you might want to check out my curriculum on how to engage and not enrage on social media and rephrase that. And I don't mean edit. I mean, delete it and do it again, because as a host, we also have to look out for the reputation of our show and the quality of who we have on. I love that, engage and not
1: enraged. Uh, that's awesome. And I, I agree with you. And, you know, that's sort of, we vet all of our guests before they start working with us. And not everybody right. has to believe in, you know, everything that I believe in. Heck, I don't, I don't right. always believe in everything I believe in, you know.
0: But, <laughs> I know.
1: You know, you, you, you change, uh, you know. Um, but with that, um, I think you've got to be respectful of everybody out there. Um, and you know, the one thing I love about podcasts is that you can pick anything you want to listen to. The thing that I hate about podcasts is you can pick anything you want to listen to also. And it's sort of the same thing with, with media today. And I think, um, I always challenge people, listen to a podcast that you don't agree with them on, um, because you're going to learn something from it. And, uh, it's tough, you know, to, to hear something that you may not agree with. It's tough because we first want to go to judgment, but the problem is, is judgment right. is on one side, learning is on the other. You pick your which one. Once you make a judgment, you're going to stop learning. Um, so from that standpoint, um, I we always look and um, I try not to judge people. So if if they're um, if they don't fit with our clientele, no no judgment. I just don't think we're a good fit there. But you know our our core mission there. I mentioned right. at the beginning is to to in to introduce, personally introduce inspiring thought leaders to millions of people, they could serve for the betterment of all. If they're not inspiring, if they don't want to make the world a better place, um, that they can pitch themselves or, or get robo pitched. Uh, they won't, they won't be under the interview valet brand.
0: Right. And, and and same here for, for the people that I represent. So I uh, totally appreciate where, where that comes from. Now, let me, uh, And this will start with uh, another uh, pat on the back for Interview Valet and how great you guys are. Uh, When it comes to people who want to be on the Business Creators Radio Show, your referrals are some of the easiest to vet because you take steps up front to make your guests memorable as soon as they cross the transom of my front door. And what I mean by that is when you and your agents fill out our application on our website, The thing, the the applications are done very comprehensively. So you give us all the information you ask. We ask for you do it in a way that's very clear and easy to follow. So I know basically on spec with within reading for just a couple seconds, I'm able to confirm that the topic and the content are something that are going to match the mission, vision, and the overall theme of the Business Creators Radio Show. And what I mean by that is you'll submit the bios, you'll you'll have a title, you'll give us the suggested interview questions, which are critical to us. And one of the shifts I've noticed, is, and this is another thing I think has happened over the past year, and it goes with how podcast interview marketing has become sort of like a gold rush, and uh, so many people are into it, is I recall that, two, just go back two years, and getting people to submit their suggested questions along with their request to be on my show, in some cases would turn into a debate like, why should I do that? And I would have to explain to them, you know, these celebrities that get interviewed on news media shows and uh, popular interest shows. Are you aware that they actually pre-submit their questions and they give their hosts off-limits areas, which is why you may see some celebrity or some political figure going on all these shows. And you're thinking, why are they throwing them all these softballs? Why aren't they asking them this question and this question and this question? Because we hear about this stuff all the time. And the reason is, is because the host was given instructions not to go there with the added caveat that if the host even tried to go there, that their guests would just walk out and there would be no interview. And it's actually kind of the same when it comes to this sort of thing. So we've made that shift from, yes, you have to explain that to people to everybody submits their pre, submits their questions in advance. And I have found that from the host perspective, when you pre-submit your questions, it makes it easier for me as the host to make you a star because I know where to shine the light on you to help bring out your brilliance and passion. Whether we use those exact questions or whether we sometimes mix them up or combine them in in themes and things like that, you're telling me where you want me to shine the light rather than me guessing. And that, to me, makes you so much more memorable to me from the start and so much more fun for me to interview you. And
1: I would look at that and say, why wouldn't you do that? If 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 you're really asking a favor, right? Because you're asking a favor to be on their show, to be on their audience, why wouldn't you make it simple for them? And then why wouldn't you make it simple for them to put you in the best light? And one of the differences between podcasts and uh, other media is I've been on 1,200 podcast interviews, over 1,200, and I can't think of more than one or two that I got like a gotcha question. The host isn't there right. uh, like 60 minutes to trip you up or you know uh, to make you do something uh, that's embarrassing, uh, but... Looking at that, as you talk about, you know, people going on, on different interviews, you think about it. When they're there on the curvy couch talking to whoever the late night host is, they're also there for a reason. They didn't just show up because, ah, I think I'd like to go out there. No, they're promoting their new um, their new movie, their new uh, right. s- sports line, whatever it is. They're there with an intent, and that's something that we've worked with a lot of our clients on where they've done podcast interviews before and they're like, yeah, they don't work. And I'll right. talk with them. I'll actually actually listen to a couple of the interviews and said, well, what was your point with this? You, you had no calls to action. You had no next steps. Um, and I almost look at like it is um, like the interview is fuel. Right. And if you take fuel, you light it, you get some heat, you get some some light out of it. Ooh, that was fun. But there's no work that comes out of it. So, what was the next step? What was the engine you were trying to do? And that's why I see sometimes people confuse just doing a podcast interview with really doing podcast interview marketing.
0: Right. Yeah. And 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 there's a key to that. Like uh, I have a client who every time he hosts a live event, like his own live event, one of his strategies for filling his event and getting people into that event is he will launch a campaign. ...to get himself booked on 100 podcast interviews. That's his target, 100 podcast interviews. Now, he's not going on these interviews where the first, second, third, and last thing he says is come to my event. But he's on there speaking of of the topic that is relevant to that event. And he also knows not to say, my event is on September 14th, 15th, and 16th, and go here to buy your ticket. Although he very cleverly talks about the events within his interview... So he understands how to promote the event without using podcasts, especially other people's podcasts, as pitch forums because there's a way to do that. You can actually promote your event without saying, come to my event, come to my event, come to my event, get a ticket, my event's next week. I had one case where I had somebody, this only happened once. And if I remember correctly, this person was not represented by an agency like yours and should have, where the answer to every question I asked her was, my event this weekend, come to my event. after the third time she did that, I actually hit pause on the interview and said, we have to start over because my show is not a pitch fest and I cannot run this. So are you able to give an interview where you share value and give people reasons to want to go to your website and become part of your community to engage with you? Or are you just here to push an event? Because if you're just here to push an event, perhaps your approach should have been, can I do a webinar for your list and cut you in on a piece of the action? A podcast is not a forum for promoting an event in that manner. And she said, well, I'm really just here to promote my event. And I said, okay, well, maybe someday we do a webinar, but... Can't have you on my show. Sorry.
1: Yeah, podcasts are an awful place to sell from, but they're a great place for the, your ideal customers to get to know, like, and trust you. Uh, there's a, right. The best tweet I have ever seen is from Rand Fishkin, uh, from um, SEO Moz, and he said, Today, the best way to sell something is not to sell anything, but to earn the respect, awareness, and trust of those who could buy. And really, that's, I think, what, uh, what people should be doing on podcast interviews. And I, I give you credit, Adam. You were nice enough to tell her that that's not allowed. We'll give you a chance to do this. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that start to do that, and the host doesn't want to waste their time with them. And it's one of those interviews that mysteriously um, gets lost. Uh, sorry we had <laughs> problems with the recording. And uh, I've heard people say that, and it's like, well, that's code for that interview was so bad that I am not sharing it with my audience. And the thing is, is that the podcasting community is small and inbred, right? You you can say there's 400,000 podcasts out there, but podcasters know podcasts. And so they've got friends that are in podcasting, and when they get a bad pitch, a lot of times they'll share it around. If they get an interview that is just horrific – They'll start talking about it. And the thing is, is that that person, you know, doesn't get picked up by other podcasts. And, well, you know, what do they say in medicine? First, do no harm. Uh, Make sure you don't do harm when you're out on a podcast interview.
0: Yeah, there's a converse to that, too. I know some great friends of mine who also host podcasts and online live streams. And they'll sometimes come to me and say, hey, I just interviewed this person. And they are really, really good. And I think that would be a great fit for your show as well. This is their name. Can I connect you with them? So you oh, do a really good job being memorable for your host. And your host may help you get more bookings. That is a great strategy. And, I mean, that's how I, I built up early on.
1: You know, if I had a podcast interview and I you know did a good job, I'd ask the host, uh, do you, you know, I love doing these. It's part of my marketing strategy. Do you know any uh, – any other podcasts that I could add value to. And it's amazing that all of a sudden, if, if you're on one podcast interview and they introduce you to two of their friends, uh, that starts to snowball really quick.
0: Yeah. You know what I love about our time here together, Tom, is, you know, we, it looks like we're you know going down a lot of different roads here related to this uh, whole overall topic of using podcast interviews to build your business. And this is one of those interviews I really love because it's so much fun and we get to do – so many things, and I know maybe it seems like to the audience, like we're moving quickly. So, subscribe to us on iTunes, or your favorite syndication network. Go back and listen to this one again. I have also noticed that a lot of the people who are subject matter experts I get to know them because I go from having never heard of this person to all of a sudden it seems like everybody's interviewing them, and I'm left with the impression of. What rock have I been under that I've never heard of this person?
1: Uh, Very much so. And there's different strategies that people come to podcast interviews with, and we call that one the omnipresent one, right? So you're everywhere, every place. And when you start to repurpose the content, it's amazing because, wow, I, I saw you. I heard you on this interview, and then I saw a post on LinkedIn, and then I saw this audiogram on Facebook, and it was all the same interview. But you're omnipresent, you're every place. And for some people, especially if they're trying to, to make a big splash, it could be a book launch, it could be a product launch, um, it could be an, an event, uh, something like that, where they want that omnipresent. Some people will do that. And they'll just get a blitz of interviews out there and repurpose it all. Other people are just trying to fill their funnels. Uh, so they'll, they'll try getting on, you know, um, uh, continually get on different podcasts just to fill the funnel we've got even some people that are doing podcast interviews just as an SEO strategy. And they realize that every time they're on a podcast, they get a backlink from it. And that's a powerful uh, backlinking strategy. And, you know, some people will say, well, you know, can you get me on the Tim Ferriss show? These people that are doing SEO, they understand, hey, could you get me on the podcast from Kalamazoo Valley Community College? Because that's... That backlink ends in .edu. That's pure gold. Or yeah. can you get me on the the podcast that the um, the government puts on about selling to the government? You know, because you get a backlink that comes back from .gov. Um, uh, that's gold. I mean, Stanford Business School, wow. uh, their undergraduate flag, uh, program has a podcast, and uh, I would rather be on that podcast than I think be on a TEDx stage, just from the standpoint of. You know, I would love to get a, a backlink from Harvard, or from Stanford Business School.
0: Right. That is something that so few people speak about, and I'm so glad you brought it up. I was so hoping you'd go there. You call it omnipresence. I call it ubiquity, but it is kind of the same thing, so we each have our own definition. We use a different word to describe essentially the same thing. It's where – People look around and they see you being interviewed over and over again. And you raise another great point is it's just like speaking from the stage and going on a speaking tour. Once you have your signature topic or your signature topics, if you get interviewed on 50 podcasts and you give substantially the same interview, that's perfectly fine. Like I can guarantee you that if Robert Downey Jr. has a movie coming out and he's suddenly doing a lot of interviews, that he's saying substantially the same thing on every single interview because he is promoting that movie. So if you have a book launch coming out and you're doing 50 interviews and they're all titled after the name of your book, your audience will understand that they really only have to listen to one of those to get the gist of what you're saying. But it's just the fact that you're showing up everywhere creates the celebrity buzz factor that draws people toward you. Exactly. And um, exposure brings opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, that's very, very true. So, and I think that another reason you want to engage in that strategy, which you call omnipresence, we'll go with your term for now, is especially when it comes to when you launch something or you have some move in your business you're, you're making or you just want to maybe rebrand yourself for a different market or you want to do an awareness campaign for your market to remind them that you're there is you're not doing this only for your external audience. You're also doing this for your existing clients and your existing true believers because you're showing them that they have hitched their wagon to a star. And they can say, hey, I'm working with Tom Schwab, and he's been interviewed 75 different places. Uh, I am working with the star of my industry here. And that says something about me, that I work with the best people.
1: And it's interesting we've worked with um bigger corporations that might have a few different spokespeople too right so they have one spokesperson for different audiences so i can think of one the ceo would do um most of the podcast interviews but if it was a female audience they'd have their director of customer service do that because, you know, there's some podcasts that just interview females. Um, Other big companies we've worked with, you know, uh, they've got, uh, if it's a a customer service podcast, their director of customer service does it. If it's a sales or marketing podcast, they've got, you know, their CMO does it. So, you know, more content with context. Um, So is it the same interview? I don't know. I guess that each person sort of gives the company a different view or a different look. Um, And it's definitely reaching a different audience because the idea that, you know, if my favorite actor goes out and, you know, talks about their new movie on 50 different shows, I guarantee I'm not going to see that interview on all 50. I'll be lucky if I see it on one or two.
0: Right. Yeah, it's like um, it's like and I'm not going to say any names, but let's say that you have a politician that you follow and that politician is out on a rally tour because there's an election coming up. Uh, If you love to. If you just love that politician, you love hearing them speak and you love what they have to say and you know that they're doing five rallies that day and you want to hear every word they say, it's worth it to tune in for all five of the live streams. But if you're really there just to get the information about what they want to say or you actually don't support them but you just want to do opposition research or just be an informed citizen – I promise you, you only have to watch one of them because they did not customize that speech for five different audiences. And, and probably uh, uh, by the second or third day
1: of their their road tour, uh, the roadie that's setting up the stage and stuff like that, he could do the speech for him because he knows it by heart. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, 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 at, that, and at that point, uh, especially with the ubiquity and the democratization of information dissemination through social media and new media, most of the country could probably recite the speech by heart by that point. True. <laughs> so the point – so the ring that I brought that up very briefly is it gives our listeners radical permission to own, meaning H-O-N-E, which means fine-tune and perfect – and own, O-W-N, which means to make their own, to internalize, to make part of who they are and what they project, their signatures talk, and run that through as many podcast outlets as they can to get the maximum amount of exposure. Yeah, and
1: you know, uh, Pete Vargas from Adventure Reach was the first one that I heard use this term. He called podcasts digital stages, and I remember being uh, a judge at one of his events, and he pointed out that the largest stage he had ever talked on um, I had set up for him. And I was shocked. I'm like, "I don't remember this one." And he's like, "No, it's a podcast interview, because to give a keynote speech to you know, 20,000 people, that's huge. You know the President of the United States is probably you know, talking to, I don't know, 50,000, um, but there are podcasts out there with tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and that's a stage just like any other one. So um, you know you can you can hone your message, hone that signature speech, and use that on you know the Rotary Club. You can use it on keynote speeches, and you can use it on podcast interviews.
0: Yeah. Speaking of audience size, and again, this is where we shift gears a little bit. This is something that occasionally comes up when we speak about getting booked on podcasts. And let's say you uh, let's say you're representing somebody and they want to get on a show, or let's say you have somebody who's a host or what have you, and every so often this question comes up, and it's usually from the guest. They'll go to the host, and they'll say something like, all right, so I need to know how big is your audience, how many downloads you get, because I need to make sure that I'm speaking in front of the most people at any given time, and and you know, the, sometimes they'll actually come out and say this, is I really don't have the bandwidth to be in front of small audiences. Now, to me... That's like podcast marketing suicide to even ask that question, but I want to get your perspective on it because that is kind of to this day sort of a hot topic.
1: I think the industry is, is – the traditional industry is that like that, right? So if you go to print, if you go to TV, if you go to radio, everybody's got the numbers. So I don't think they're trying to be rude. I just think they don't understand the market. So with that, you know, I can remember a right. client coming to us, and um, uh, they said they were on a podcast excuse me, a radio show the other day, and they got heard by it was like seven million people or something. And I thought, "Oh, that's great. What was the radio show?" And it was some small station out of Chicago. And so when I started to dig into it, they honestly believe that they got heard by seven million people, but as we talked about it, it's like, no, that radio station has a reach. Of 7 million people. So with that, uh, you know, not everybody was listening um, to that station at whatever it was, 11 p.m. at night when you were on there for five minutes. But I can guarantee you every person that listens to a podcast interview has intentionally opted into that. So uh, what what portion of that 7 million did you get? I don't know. Uh, A fraction of a fraction of a percent? Uh, But if you had a a, a podcast that had, I don't know, a thousand downloads, what percentage of those people opted in to listen to you? I can guarantee you it was 100%. So I think with that, it's really an education of, um, you know, I I try to to look at it as looking at and comparing it to a stage, right? So if we're going to say, well, you know, this station out of Chicago has a reach of 7 million, I I don't want to compare, well, what's the reach of a podcast? I want to look at it as a as a stage, right? So they'll say, "Well, this podcast only has 700 and and 50 listeners or 750 downloads." I'm like, "So, you're telling me you wouldn't go to speak to a crowd of 750 people if they were your ideal audience?" I remember last last year I uh, had the opportunity to speak to a HubSpot user group up in Lansing. I loved it. It was a, a great audience, but I drove an hour up there. Um, gave the presentation. They had drinks, so it was great, drinks and hors d'oeuvres, and then, you know, drove the hour back and spent a couple hours up there with them, and I had to laugh in the middle of the presentation when I told them, this is the smallest group I think I've talked to in ages. And not to insult you or anything, but this is the smallest group because I think there was, I don't know, 50, 75 people there, and it's like, you know, the average podcast gets well, well over that. And, you know, I, I can't think of a podcast that was smaller than that that I'd been on. But yet, right. I, I was thrilled to be there. I made all that effort. And I can think early on, um, I was on a podcast, uh, 40,000 downloads per episode. It was an ego trip. And at this time, we had a, an online course that we were selling. I never took it out of beta. But out of that, you know, um, I sold from that 40,000 downloads, probably twenty four. And I thought, that's you know, that's great, but it was an ego thing for me. Shortly after, I was on a podcast, and the host told me she got 350 downloads per episode. I yeah. sold 150 copies of that online course. And so I just look at it. There's more fish in the ocean than there are in a barrel, but if I can find a barrel of fish, I'm going there every time.
0: Yeah. You know, here's my comment on it, and I've shared this uh, when I've – spoken on the memorable new media topic that I share is that I have a client here at the Business Creators Institute who's been with us for, well, their three-year anniversary is coming up, and they the first year, it was a $35,000 contract. So you're getting an idea of the magnitude of this deal, right? This person showed up on my radar screen out of thin blue air one day, and it's been three years, and the best this person can say is, I heard you on a podcast somewhere. I liked what you had to say, and I reached out because I thought you might be a valuable addition to our, what we're doing with our company. To this day, they can't identify whether it was my show, it was me being on somebody else's show, what the topic was. For all I know, it was some podcast I did that I knew probably had about two subscribers, and they were one of them. You know what? It doesn't matter doesn't matter. I showed up there. And then I have, and I have a story that's the converse, is when the Business Creators Radio Show was first starting out, we'd been on the air, I think, about two months. This was November 2013. Uh, it was the day, the very day, that I was getting in my car to leave southwestern Pennsylvania forever and drive out to Las Vegas, take a three-day road trip to Las Vegas, where my new townhouse was waiting for me because I was moving cross-country. And we had an episode of Business Creators Radio Show run that morning. And we had a guest on, who uh, you know, very graciously gave their time. They gave some great information. So we had the show run. Then it was mid afternoon. I was on the road. I think I had just crossed into Ohio or Kentucky or something. And the Bluetooth system on my car lights up because my phone is tapped into the Bluetooth on my car, so I don't have to. I can drive mm-hmm. hands free. And I see it's oh, it's been, it was my guest I had on this morning. I wonder what's up. So I answer it. He's like, dude. I just booked a twenty-five thousand dollar deal from somebody who heard our show this morning. What? You'd have to know the guest. I understand what I just (laughs) said. Uh, That was him saying. That was him saying that it was incredible. I mean, I could uh, because he's somebody I know in person. He's a friend of mine. I could see him doing the dance and raising the roof as he (laughs) said that. I mean, because he's one of those enthusiastic. Extroverted get up and get them sort of people, and I could just hear the joy from him having taken the time to share in a business creators radio show and end up with a nice new gig because one of my six listeners, of whom five probably weren't related to me, heard him and said, I gotta book this guy today.
1: Adam you know, exposure brings opportunity. And you've probably seen this at this point. It's weird. Sometimes people will come up to you and start talking to you and they know everything about you, but you know nothing about them. And because they've listened to you, they've, they've heard you um, and they feel like they're friends and they forget that the microphone doesn't go the opposite way. Um, I was just traveling, uh, actually, um, was traveling to, to, to do a talk and my uh, bride came with me and it was a great trip and everything, but there was a couple people that came up to me and, uh, you know, introduced themselves. One guy came up, are you Tom Schwab? Uh, yes, I am. And he starts talking to me and all the rest of that. And my wife left and she's like, who was that? I'm like, I have no idea. But he knew me from someplace, and I was his friend, and we got a, you know, a, a selfie together, and he knew all about the business and all the rest of that. And, um, you know, that that's great, and I was I was really humbled by it, too. I You know, if um, somebody knows me, and it's not from my uh, my picture being a newspaper or a, my a post office, and when people talk about, you know, well, I just want to be seen by so many people and known by so many people, I'm like, well, then commit a crime, right? You can become infamous really quick. Right. Not only will they know you, they'll know your middle name too. They'll put your picture up in post offices.
0: Yeah, that's fun. That's funny. And here's here's another story. Uh, there, you know, one of the cigar the cigar shops I hang out around here in Las Vegas. It's not long after I moved here to Las Vegas, and I started hanging out at this one place. And there were some guys I knew on a first name basis and had a nodding acquaintance with. And this one afternoon, I was sitting down there. And I was sitting next to one of these guys, and uh, you know we were just uh, you know kicking his back with uh, you know little chatter and such. And then he says, "So wait a minute, what, what's your what's your last name?" And I told him. He's like, "Wait, you're the Adam Homie?" I said yeah. And then I asked him his name, and I said, "Whoa, you're the his name." It turned out both of us both of us knew each other, and each of us knew the other through reputation, and neither of us one of us recognized who we had been sitting next to. Well, if we were sitting next to each other, I
1: I may recognize you before. Well, now that we've talked on the live on the podcast interview, uh, I might recognize the voice. But the problem is, is when I listen to podcasts, I usually listen to it one and a half or two times speed. Uh, so when I actually yeah. meet the podcast hosts, uh, they sound so much different.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, my, 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 my point being, though, is you never – it creates a level of celebrity that sometimes comes up unexpected. So with my little story I just told, you had two people who knew each other by reputation and had been following each other who didn't recognize that they were in the same room with each other until they exchanged last names.
1: Yeah, It's an amazing world we live in. There's a lot of problems, but there's no better time to be alive being a business creator. The tools we have, the resources, um, you know uh, – our grandparents would be pinching themselves uh, with the free tools that we have and, and all
0: the things. Yeah, I know it's it's pretty amazing where we are with this with this whole thing. So uh, I get you know we have about uh, seven minutes here. This time has really flown by, and I think that there's one last thing we can cover before we turn it over to you because I know you have a little something for our audience here today is uh, let's say that we have somebody who's a guest and they want to start getting booked on podcasts and they're looking for a criteria or a method to help them get to find the right fit shows to get booked on and get booked on a lot of them quickly. Now the A answer to me is work with an agency like Interview Valet who can do all that for them. Uh, But some folks may either want to do it themselves or – when they hire somebody like Interview Valet, they want to be an educated customer. So what's a great process for looking out into the wide expanse of the interwebs and and locating the great fit shows that they want to be on and, say, making a list of, say, uh, you know, these are 50 great shows that I should approach because they, these could be great outlets for me. Like, where do you begin to identify the right podcast so you can get booked as a guest? Sure. So I'll I'll share
1: fully our algorithm that we use to pick great podcasts, but I want to push back on one thing when you said to get booked real fast and to get on the shows. I always tell people that podcasts are like restaurants and doctor's offices. If there's not a waiting list, there's probably a reason and a reason you don't want to be there. So if if you can go to a podcast and say um, they'll book you uh, this afternoon and it will launch live tomorrow – um, they probably don't have a lot in the queue, right? There's probably not a lot of people listening there. Most podcasters, and it depends on the season and everything, um, tend to book things out a little bit. So right there, just um, know that this is a marathon, not a sprint. Often we get, you know, when we work with um, publishers, they know, uh, come to us three or four months before the book launches so that we can do that upfront work to get that launched on the right time. But going back to the algorithm there's really four things that we look at and most people stop at the first one they just want to know what's the podcast how big is it well first of all we talked about before download numbers aren't publicly available um and so you really can't say well how big is it and not that it really matters anyway but with that look at the podcast does it have your ideal audience um, are they going to be interested in what you have? If it's not your ideal customers, I don't care how great the the podcast is, uh, it's not going to work for you. Look at how many episodes they have. You know, the the cruel fact is that most episode or most podcasts that die, die within their first ten episodes. You don't want to be interview right. number seven when they stop paying their hosting bill at number eight, you know, nobody'll ever hear it. Look at the amount of ratings yeah. and reviews they have, because that's sort of a and indication of the engagement they have Um, so that's the podcast itself then look at the website you know before we talked about those backlinks the search engine optimization look at their website does you know do they have show notes that link back to you Um, does their website look like something you would want to be associated with Uh, you can run some scores on it uh, like the alexa score which is a uh, a measure of popularity or the Moz score which is a, a measure of authority that's the value of the backlink to you. So you can look at that. The third thing to look at as you're making this decision is the reach, right? So how many people do they have following on social media? Are they promoting this to their social media? Are they um, promoting it to their email list? And who are you trying to get more of? You know, uh, we had a client that was trying to build their Instagram following. So we looked at that. Um, You know, if Instagram following is not important to you, um, I know it couldn't be a a deal breaker for Adam because, you know, I'm 53 years old. I don't have a great Instagram following. Um, But, you know, my my LinkedIn following is solid. So look at that reach. And then finally, we look at what our experience was with previous guests. Now, you you don't have the visibility to that, but you can look and say, have they had guests like me, Um, my business, the things I talk about? That will be a good indication that, you know, um, if other – if other flowers grew in that soil, yours
0: might too. Yeah, and I, think, and I think that's a really great outline for identifying where to find great opportunities. And, yeah, I worded my previous question intentionally with the word get book quickly because I wanted you to catch that, and you did. The nature of the industry today is you are unlikely to get booked quickly unless you ask very nicely and get extremely lucky. Usually, they've got a queue. So bear that in mind because you want to get started sooner than later. Now, we have about two minutes left here, and I want to give one of those minutes to you. For somebody who recognizes that now is the best time to get started, what do you have for our audience, Tom, that uh, could help them get started down this path today?
1: Well, thank you. And, um, you know, if you're listening to a podcast interview, you know the power of podcasting. You know yeah. that in the future, your audience is going to be listening to more podcasts. Are they going to hear you or your competitor? You can be a guest. You can be a host. You can be either way. But you've got to decide. And there's a few resources that might help you. Uh, if you go to interviewvalet.com forward slash B-C-R. Uh, For Business business Creators Radio, Um, I'll put some things there. There's, uh, There's a free download of my book, Podcast Guest Profits, How to Grow Your Business with the Target Interview Strategy. You can buy it on Amazon, yeah. but just go, just go there and get the free download. We'll also have the uh, infographic that talks about the nine secrets to getting booked on your first podcast interview. And then there's also even the checklist uh, that I use, every one of our clients use before each interview uh, so that each one is great. And finally, I'll put all of my contact information. So if you want to get in touch with me, just go to interviewvalet.com forward slash BCR.
0: Awesome. I am so grateful to you today. So Tom Schwab of Interview Valet, thank you so much for coming with us and hanging out with the Business Creators Radio Show. It has been an honor and an education.
1: Thank you, Adam.
0: You bet. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.